good to have Sister Grossbach with us this morning. And uh, I fully believe this, and I'm not saying this because she's here. Uh, I've said it before. Um, I believe we will trace back uh, in several years as we've embarked on his, uh, this historical journey, and we will trace it back and at the core and the origin of this. We'll see Brother Grossbach standing there because he built such a, a foundation here a month ago when God brought him here. And God's doing it, but he helped formulate what God was doing and, and such an instrumental thing. And so we're so blessed and honored about what he's doing. And I'm calling him and keeping him up and keeping him abreast of what's happening. And he's excited as he builds his little rock walls. So he's building his walls. Those of you that were here and talked about building his walls. So praise God. It's also good to have my mother-in-law, my wife's mom here with us this morning. Amen. glad she's here obviously we're the, the circumstances by which brought her here we're not thrilled of but we're glad she's here today worshiping with us amen praise god if you would turn with me i am aware of the time i get it don't panic trust me i get it this is not a bishop moment I, i'm cool 11 19 it's right here on my screen it's blinking we have to break down i get it we got to roll up the carpets we got to get the chairs out of here that's all right the prophet prayed a, what, a 63, 68-word prayer, and God did it. We don't need to be here all day. Acts chapter 20, verse number 7. Acts 20, verse number 7. I'm reading out of the New King James Version, so in case mine's a little different than yours, you'll understand why. Verse number 7 says, Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until Midnight, praise God. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together and in a window sat a certain man by the name of Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep as Paul continued speaking. The actual Greek there of continued speaking was is that he went longer than expected, meaning that things progress farther than the, 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 the normal time that they would stop talking. He fell down from the, Eutychus fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down, fell on him, embracing him, said, do not trouble yourselves for his life, for life is in him. Now when he had come up, had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till day, daybreak he departed. And they brought the young man in alive, and they were not a little comforted. There's a lot of directions I felt we could go the day with this, and, and I might come back next week and go to part two of this, but I want to speak to you today on one particular part that I draw from this as the Lord speaks. So God bless you. You be seated. Thank you for standing. I find this to be interesting because... When you look at this, there are 260 chapters, 260 chapters in the New Testament, which make up 7,959 verses. Yes, I counted every one of them. I'm just joking. Uh, there are 1,800, one, one, 
184,590 words in the New Testament. How many books are in the New Testament? Someone? No? We got seven answers. How many books? 27. Yes. There's a little tip for you to remember how many books are in the New and how many Old. New, the word old, O-L-D, is three word, three letters. Testament is nine. So in the Old Testament, there's 39. And in the New, you got three, for, three letters in New, nine in Old, nine times three, 27. So you always can remember 39, 27, 66. Just a little tip for later down the road. But you've got this sort of limited idea that basically about 100 years of history a hundred years of God working, a hundred years, and, and, and we don't have to get into the theology of whether or not the Gospels are a part of the New Testament. If you read the Bible, actually, they're not a part of the New Testament. There's really only 23, but that's a whole other subject for a whole other day. But let's just take the premise today that the Gospels are a part of the New Testament. So we got 27 books, 260 chapters in which to condense... A hundred years from the birth of Christ until the revelation of the book of uh, the revelation that John wrote at the end of the 27th chapter, 27th book. We've got about a hundred years of God working. We have a hundred years from going from one man, Jesus Christ, until literally the whole world being touched by the gospel. To the point at which they said, are these the men that have turned the world upside down? So when that being the case, and you consider that all of that, not only the history of that, not only the things that took place in that period of time, but also the teaching and all the things that, were, that are relevant to our lives today that help us walk in God and become a disciple of Jesus Christ, all those things are condensed in that small of a sample size. That means that there's nothing in that book that should just be discounted. That everything in that, every small detail, everything that's spoken of was put in there for a reason. In fact, one of the gospel writers said, if everything that Jesus spoke and did was recorded, even the world's heavens could not contain it. And so that if we understand that premise, there's nothing in this book even in the Old Testament, and that's a whole other subject because you get into the book of Numbers and other verses where you get heavily into the begats and you have to sort of break out uh, some kind of translator to try to pronounce half the names. And so some people, when you're reading your one-year Bible plan, come on, let's be honest, how many of you sit there and read every single name? Some of you do probably, but some of us, we, we'll probably skip over those chapters and give it a go another day. But in the New Testament, you've got this sort of little sample size. So I, I said all that to say that if you're reading through the book of Acts, this just seems like sort of an odd story. If you read the, the, the context of, of, of all the chapter 20 and go back to 19 and you go back to verse 21, it seems sort of, a, of an interesting story to be placed at this juncture in discussing Paul and discussing what Paul was doing 
the story of this young man, and it's find it it's find it unique to me that in many cases that people in the Bible that had stuff had things in their life done things all the people that Jesus healed we very rarely get their name. Did we just say there was a certain man or a, or a blind man or a deaf man or a, 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 a woman who... Is, we never really get their name. But in this particular case, Luke, who the, the writer of Acts, found it necessary to write his name, Eutychus. So somewhere in this, there is something that Luke and the Holy Ghost was trying to drive home in this point, and, and I've got several things that I, uh, that I felt the Lord wanted to share, and we may come back again next week and do this sort of in a part two. But there's one thing here that I want to draw out, especially as the Lord has moved here today and in the context in which He has moved and the atmosphere that's in this place and the way God is moving. I find it to be unique in this particular story. And this is not an indictment on Paul. So let's not sit here today. I'm not judging whether or not Paul should have stopped at 9 o'clock instead of going to midnight. I'm not saying that Paul went beyond. Obviously, he was intending to follow the Holy Ghost. If you know Paul at all and you read any of Paul's writings, you understand he was a man that followed God in everything he did. So if he was going to go to midnight, I don't think he was rambling on. But let's just take that part and sort of set it over here on the shelf for a moment and come back next week and we may revisit that if that's what the Lord wants to do. Let's just focus for a moment of the fact that this young man was in an atmosphere in which he fell asleep with what was going on. Now, obviously, I just, I just gave you the disclaimer, and I don't want to keep repeating myself, but I want you to understand, don't sit there and try to argue with me in your mind, well, you know, that wasn't the case. Let's just take this for a moment. And, and it might be sort of out of context, but let's just follow it for a moment, okay? Back off your theological, theological dissertation for a moment. Let's just look at this. How does somebody fall asleep? I bet you a woman fall asleep today in service. I'm, he's preaching about it. You better not do it. Wake up. I remember, forget, I was 18 years old. I'd never preached out. My first time I'd gotten a call to a church in New England, said, we'd like to, you to come up and preach for us. I'm like, oh, gracious. I mean, I'm nervous as can be. Never done this before. By myself. I'm up there. First service, I'm just shaking like a leaf. There was a man that came in, sat on the front row, right, right in the middle of the front row. And it was a small little place. It wasn't very big. And, and so the platform wasn't sort of elevated. In it. it was sort of kind of, it was one of just like a little one-step platform. And, and, and the pulpit was about right there. And he was right there. And it wasn't a huge place. In fact, it was just sort of two, two sections. It wasn't wing sections. So if you're in the front, everyone's watching you. Before God. It's one of the things you just can't make up. As I preached, I could see it starting to come over him. I saw it. Just, you could just feel it. There wasn't no spiritual sensitivity. You could just sense it. I mean, it's starting to... He got that blank stare. I mean, and I knew... And I'm young. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm just shaking like a leaf. I'm, 
it, I mean, I'm trying to even pronounce the words in the Bible as I read my t -t 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 text because I'm nervous and I can't help. I'm trying to preach, but I'm kind of watching him because I'm thinking, am I that bad of a preacher? This guy can't even stay awake. And I'm like, I watched him thinking, oh God. And I, it's, I'm, I, I don't even know at that point I'd lost my train. I, I don't even know. God could have left on a vacation. I had no clue. And there he goes. Next thing you know is... And by this time, I'm like, and before God, this is not, I know sometimes you think people exaggerate stuff, and there are, I'm telling you the honest truth. I wish I could have videoed it. Finally, he just succumbed. And before the Lord, about two minutes after just giving over to that fatigue, he just went, wham, right on the, just fell out, laid down on the front. Everybody saw him. Everybody knew. I felt like just saying, you know what, after that, we just need to just dismiss. What, what can I do at this point? He's on the front row. I can't even keep the person on the front row occupied enough that he can pay attention. I mean, how bad of a preacher am I? This man is falling asleep right on the front row. I've gotten over that since because between in the last 18 years of preaching, that plenty of people fall asleep. You learn to just... Take it and go with it. <laughs> just make sure they have a pillow on these chairs a little hard. But let's just go to the fact that this young man in that atmosphere fell asleep. And why did he fall asleep? So in order to fall asleep, I know there's sort of, I know, I know there's sort of uh, 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 a lot of reasons. Some people work a midnight shift and you come in, you're fatigued. But in order to fall asleep, you have to become either desensitized to your surroundings. You've got to sort of You've got to sort of pull out, disconnect. You, 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 you've got to be, you've got to lose interest in what's going on around you. And I wondered to the fact, and this is again, not an indictment on Paul, but I wonder if the fact that this young man could fall asleep was the fact that they were doing church like they always did church. That they were just going through another motion. And again, that's not an indictment on Paul because let's be honest, we talked about it just a few minutes ago that God can be in this place but we can be so accustomed to doing things exactly the way we've done it all the time that even when God is moving we can miss the opportunity because it doesn't fit within the mold of our preconceived ideas of when and how it's supposed to be done because we've done it like that ever since I've been here or oh, that's just the way every church does it so that's what we're supposed to do but the fact of the matter is is that what God wants and when God is ready to move, we need to make sure that we allow Him to do what He wants to do when He wants to do it. And I'm not sure if that young man, what the issue was, but I wonder what would have happened if God was at work to the, plant, to the, plant, to the point that that young man would not have had the opportunity. Notice what he said. He did tell him that he moved to the window, which meaning it made it kind of obvious that probably he didn't start there, that maybe he had pulled away, that maybe he had kind of stepped back. Notice that. I'm not, I'm not against, you know, we all have to find a place to see. But I watch people when they begin to struggle and they come into church, they never get closer. Next thing you know, they'll start, they'll start, 
getting farther back. You never notice. All of a sudden, they develop some kind of bladder issue. They get some kind of bladder problem because now they never had to go to the bathroom. Now they got to go five times a service. One day we're going to have a healing line for bladder issues. Why? Because they're starting to fall asleep. And they're starting to become desensitized to what God is doing around them. And they're starting to lose the reverence for the power of God. But the problem is, is that not just that, but if we do what we always do and we keep things normal, because that's what we're comfortable with. We're used to coming in and going through our religious obligation. And we know we're going to sing a song or two songs or three songs. And then we're going to have announcements. And then someone's going to get up there and they're going to talk and we're going to get out at this certain time. And we know that when we walk in. We can walk in and already desensitize ourselves to the move of God. So when God comes in and says, I want to do this, we're not even paying attention because we're already locked into it's all going to be this way. Because let's be honest to the fact is, sometimes I got too much hell going in my life to come in here and go through the motions. I don't know about you. Maybe your life is perfect. But there are times that I've come to the house of God, come into the presence of God. I've got too much hell going on in my life to just sit there and go through the motions of what's happening. I don't know how you are. Maybe you show up today to check off a box on your calendar that said, I came to church today, got that done. Now I got six days to do what I want to do. I'll come back around next week and check off another box. But when I come into this place, I'm not coming in here to check off a box. I'm coming in this place because I want God to do something in me and through me. It doesn't matter if that's in this place or that's in one of the small groups. Wherever we are gathered together, we've got to break out of the mode that we're going to come together and do our little religious rhetoric and get on with life. But when we come together, my God, I'm sorry, I'm just a little too excited this morning. But when we come together, we come together with a passion. That when God begins to move, that we're going to say, God, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do, you know what? I hope to God that when someone comes into our atmosphere, that they feel love. I hope that's the case. I hope that no matter what they look like, no matter what their lifestyle is, no matter how, what they've come out of, I don't care if they walk in whatever they look like and, and whatever, whatever they participated in the night before, that they come and they feel the love in this place. hope they don't come in and feel condemnation because we don't want to associate with people that aren't quite cleaned up like us, which is a sham anyways. Let's be honest. Yes. Jesus knows what you'd be doing behind your closed doors. Jesus knows what's going on up here. You can act and walk and talk to talk, but we know, we know. But when they come in there, they feel the, they feel the love of God. But I hope they don't leave without feeling the conviction of the Holy Ghost. 
I hope they come in here today. You know what? We come in an atmosphere that there's such a power and an atmosphere of God that people that walk in with no faith, when they leave, they leave with faith. That we don't allow anybody to be able to slip into a slumber. You know what? We, you keep, we're a free will agent. We're a free will agent. What does that mean? Is that you have the right to choose. God in all of his power, God in all of his ability, God in everything that he can do, he is limited. Limited. If you want to, if you want to uh, uh, take away someone's power, Brother Chris Hyde, who plays, the, plays for us uh, up here, uh, he, he spent how many years were you a trooper, Chris? Ten years as a state trooper. And it's obvious, if you want to take the ability away for someone to use their power, you handcuff them, you restrain them, you take their ability. Not saying that someone still might try, but most people, when their hands are bound to do what they need to do, it doesn't matter what their ability is, you're restraining them to do what they need to do. Your will can become God's handcuffs. God has the power to do anything by His hand. We find in the, New, the Old Testament many times where it talks about the working of God's hand. God's hand and moving and God doing this. And we say a lot of times, boy, the hand of God's on that person. Boy, the hand of God is moving in that situation. But I, my will can take God's power and restrain it. Through my will. So that being the case, we can't stop anybody who desires to allow their will to limit God. You want to just, let's just call, let's just, we're here now, let's just step farther out. There's some of you in here today that your will is limiting God in your life. God is Desiring to work in your life. God is dying to do, desiring to do things in your life. But it's your will, your choices that are limiting God. You are restraining God from working in your life. You're telling God you can go this far, but don't go farther than that. You can have this part of my life, but you can't have that part. Why? Because my will says this is it. But I wonder what would happen. We came in here with the atmosphere and the mindset that every time we come together, we come together. And I know we say this, but I'm not sure we're quite there yet. We're trying. We're getting there. But I wonder if we came together with the atmosphere and the, the mindset that every time we come together, we're coming together to maximize the manifestation of the presence of God and what He wants to do. Because when someone begins, because you know, let's be honest with you. We've all done that, right? You're falling asleep, you're tired, but it's something slams, boom, something startles you, wakes you up. Have you ever gotten one of those phone calls in the middle of the night? Doesn't matter how tired you are. When that kicks in, you're awake. Or somebody, you know, if you're a parent, you've all been there, you know, you're, 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 you're just exhausted, right? Especially when you have small kids. You're never, you, it's never a point when you have small kids you are rested. You're just varied, varying degrees of tiredness. I never was a nap taker until I had kids. 
Now every opportunity I've got, like, I'm taking a nap. I need five minutes. But it doesn't matter how tired you are as a parent, when you're in a situation in the middle of the night and you're exhausted, and I, I, hey, look, when you're, when you're, when you're the, the, the pastor and the pastor's wife and it's Saturday night and you've got to be there in the morning for church and somehow at 3 a.m. in the middle of the night, you hear that, Mom! It's not like, you know what, I, I'll be there in a minute. i got five more minutes. I got There's no snooze button on emergencies. So there's a potential that the change in the atmosphere can cause those who are asleep to wake up. That we don't have to go to them and say, hey, you better wake up. You better wake up. I'm telling you, some people, you don't want to wake up like that. Trust me. Some people, you want to say, get up. Because you know when they wake up, they're coming out swinging. <laughs> so it's like, hey, you, you got to get up. What's wrong? It's okay. I just wanted to wake you up. But if the atmosphere will change, and the atmosphere that people have come desensitized to will change, then those that are falling asleep are those that are asleep when the atmosphere around them changes without even really realizing it their body will be alerted to what's happening and they will awake from their condition because why? The atmosphere around them has changed. What does the Bible call that? The Bible calls that revival. To revive that which was once alive but has fallen into a condition where they're no longer sensitive to the atmosphere around them. Where we don't have to go and start to tell somebody, you better wake up because God... No, but when God begins to do a work and we get, God begins to move, there is, I've seen it already. I've seen it. I'm almost done. But I've seen it already in some of you. Some of you were just going through the motions. But I've watched the last couple of weeks. Boy, I see things starting to work and move and open up in you. And I, I've been watching. I'm going... God is doing something. Why? Because when things that are dormant or have allowed to become desensitized to the atmosphere that's around them, when those things start to come back alive, that shows that there is a change in the atmosphere. And the change in the atmosphere starts to call. And can I prophesy for a moment that there are gifts and there are dreams and there are callings and there are visions that are in some of you that have laid dormant for year after year. But now over the next little bit of time, you're going to begin to begin to feel and think of things and go, man, I haven't thought about that in years. Man, I haven't felt that in years. Man, I haven't sensed something like that in years. And instead of dismissing it and saying, well, that can't be, say, okay, Lord, I recognize that there's some things in me that have died. There's some things in me that will fall asleep. But Lord, by your help and grace, as you begin to work and the atmosphere around me begins to change, let those things in me wake up. I'm not saying that we'll never have someone fall asleep again. There'll probably be someone fall asleep spiritually and naturally. But can I be honest with you? God is beginning to move amongst us to cause that which was asleep to wake that which had died 
to live again. And I'm beginning to see it, but can I be honest with you? We all have that child. We have, we have one. Actually, we have two, but more than one. That you could wake them up to go to school, but the moment you walk away, they're right back in bed. Come on, you got to get up. Got to get up. I'm up. I'm up. I'm up. I'm up. Walk away, come back, back in the covers, curled up. You got to get up. All right, I'm up. I'm up. Come back, man. Still. You got to get up. You know what? We might have to do this a couple of times. We may have to come around because there may be some things that start to, to awaken that may fall back asleep. But can I challenge it? Not me, not me. Can I stop that? I believe God is challenging us. And I had no intention this is where the service was going today. It, it doesn't, you, you, your, your natural sight it doesn't really fit with a Sunday morning, but Jesus doesn't fit with a Sunday morning. <sighs> can, I, can I challenge us today? That we allow God to change the atmosphere of what he's doing. And that we don't allow ourselves to fall back into the slumber of a religious culture and rhetoric that says, wait a minute, aren't we supposed to do, 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 do. That if we come in here and God decides, you know what, there's no singing today. I want to move right now. We go, oh, whoa, whoa, we can't do that. We got to sing. Or if the preacher decides to preach without reading of Scripture before he starts, God forbid, that we all don't stop and go, wait a minute, you can't, that's not, is he preaching or not preaching? I don't know if he's preaching because he hasn't read the Bible yet. And I don't know if he's preaching. If God's speaking, that's all that matters. What you label it as preaching, a sermon, a message, you label it however you want to label it. When God's speaking, God's speaking. Whether or not that's reading the word or just speaking as the Lord leads. When God's speaking, we're going to let him speak. I'll forget, just, just, just a, a few, but two months ago, I'm, I'm almost done. I'm, the landing strip's there. Whew. Two months ago, Brother Chris Knotts. Chris, was that, how many times have you spoken in church with a microphone behind a... How many times? Three or two or three. Here's a man that comes in his first Sunday here a couple weeks ago as they transferred here to Antioch West. Have, not, not somebody that gets up regularly. Came in. God's moving. He said, I feel something. He shared with me. I said, you know what? Let's, let's share it. He spoke, testified. God moved. Why? Because that's what he wanted to do right there. Right then and there. Oh, we can't do that. We got, let me see. Let me see if I can fit you in the schedule today. How long is your testimony going to be? Six minutes. Ah, we got four. Can you condense half of it? Why? Now, I'm not saying, don't get all excited, some of you. I'm going to get my opportunity next week. I got a testimony, Brother Wright. My car was broken down, but Jesus fixed the wheel. No, Jesus can take the wheel, but we'll talk about fixing the wheel later. It's not open mic night. I'm just saying the point is, when God wants to do something and God wants to move, can we get to the place where we say, God, do it? Because this is not just about what we're doing here. This extends to everything we're doing, including small groups and everything else. God, whatever you want to do, just do it. Would you stand with me today? Because you know why? There's... 
telling you there's a wave. I, I, I don't say this lightly. I don't say this as some kind of, you know, pie in the sky thing. I say this with every ounce of Holy Ghost in me. There's a wave of harvest. That's the best. I can't, that's the word that the Lord gives me. A wave. There's a wave of harvest that's going to just start coming in this place. And when they come in this place, wave after wave, the atmosphere has got to be to the place where the unbeliever begins to believe anything is possible. Where those who don't even know that there's a book of Acts in the Bible begin to lift their hands and without being told what to do and how to do it. But God just begins to supernaturally fill them with the baptism of the Holy Ghost because the atmosphere that's created, and I got to be honest with you folks, don't point up here and expect me to do it. Don't point up here and expect my wife or whoever's up there leading worship, well, if they're not singing my song, I can't do it. You know what? According to the Bible, we're all in the priesthood. You baptize, you're in the priesthood. And you go back, how did they carry the presence of God? It wasn't carried on a, on, on a man-made deal. They did it one time. They, carry, they tried to do it. They messed up. They carried the ark like it wasn't intended to. The presence of God was put on a cart. A man-made program. A man-made idea tried to carry the presence of God. And God says, I want my presence to be carried on the shoulder of my people. There is no program that's going to carry his presence. There's no song, good or bad, like it or not, fast or slow, that's designed to carry his presence. We all have to come in here with the idea that, you know what? This is not a one-man show. This is not a one-man deal. But you know what? Come on, brethren. Come on, brother Trombley. All of us are going to get a hold of the presence. And you know what? This thing by itself, come try it later. It's actually kind of heavy. But amazingly is, when we all join in, we could probably stand here for a while and do it because we're all carrying the load and we're carrying the idea that we're working together. Not one person in this place that's baptized and filled with the Spirit of God is, un, is, is not a part of carrying the presence of God. Just because you don't walk up on this platform and have a microphone, you are getting a hold and saying, I'll carry how do I carry? I may lift my hands. I may worship. I may say praise God. Hallelujah. I may lift up the name of Jesus. Why? Because I'm carrying. Because we're all doing that. And when we all begin to do it, what happened when, in the scripture? They were all in one mind. and one accord. It wasn't just good enough to be in the same building. But they were in one mind, one accord. And when that happened, suddenly... Suddenly, suddenly, not when they're one mind and one accord, eventually God got around to it. It wasn't like one mind, one accord. Okay, all right, five more minutes, guys, I'll be there. When they got in one mind, woo, in one accord, suddenly there came a sound. 
You know what that meant? I'm done. I'm trying to stop my Lord Jesus. You know what that meant? There's 120 left. That means they had their mind on the 380 that had left. They had their mind going, boy, we've been here for seven days. We've got to get this show on the road. But finally, when they got to the point where they put everything that was happening outside on hold and they got focused on what was going on in that place, they got in one mind and one accord, and then there was a suddenly. We're getting there, folks. I'm telling you. We're, 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 on, we're, we're getting to the suddenly. That's why every time we come together, don't miss it. Because you're going to miss out on the, there's coming a moment here in a little bit. We're going to hit the suddenly. And you're going to hear about it on Facebook. And it's going to be tweeted. And it's going to be Instagram. And you're going to go, my God, I missed it. Because there's going to be a suddenly. Why? Because God is bringing us to a place where we're in one mind and one accord. Let's just lift our hands to the Lord and give him thanks. Can we do that? Father, we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. We thank you for what you're doing among us, in us, through us. For your power and the manifestation of your power. I loose in this place, God, a hunger and a faith to go where you're taking us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I speak it and it is so in Jesus' name.